Amen. All right. This is going to sound strange, but it's going to be a very brief sermon this morning. It's really going to be a homily, okay, a devotional. I hope to keep it that way anyway. So it depends what happens, okay? We'll see. But uh, I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna try not to keep you long this morning. But um, I just basically, as when John asked me, when everything started taking place, it's like I started panicking, actually. It's like, what am I gonna do here? I, I, I got two days to prepare, you know? But I already have something in my heart. It's already there. It's the gospel of the living God. And basically what I'm doing this morning is I'm, gonna, I'm just going to briefly synopsize, take you through, add a little sesky in there every now and then, but I'm going to take you through the gospel to the coming of our Lord and Savior, the return coming, not the first coming, the returning of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I pray that it will lift your hearts this morning. I really, really do. I pray that God would grab your heart, and no matter what's going on in your family, in your life, personally, that God would remind you that in spite of everything that you see, he is sovereign. I know, I, whenever I get up here, I, I always remind you because how quickly we forget that God is in control, don't we? We forget that he is in control of the whole thing. There's nothing, nothing. There's no fastballs going by God, okay? He is in control of it all. So as I open up this morning. Again, welcome, and again, Merry Christmas. It really, really is. I miss, I miss, um, um, was it midnight service, candlelight service, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> you know, I, I really miss getting together and doing that because that's something me and Stephanie enjoy. And so, um, I just pray that you will be blessed this morning as I bring you just a short version of the gospel and God with us. Pray again with me, would you? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word, which is alive and active, Lord God. And as so, Lord God, it always, always, as we invite you, as we invite your Holy Spirit into our heart, your word always affects us. So, Father, I pray that it would affect deeply this morning, Father, that the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ would become alive, Lord. It's something that we hear. We hear it every year. We hear it throughout the year, Lord God. But I pray, Lord God, that you would give us special ears this morning to hear the simple truth of a Savior, of a God who so loved that he gave. Lord, would you speak to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. And I know this fact hasn't snuck by many of you too much, but the world right now is eh, in turmoil. I'll use that word. I know it's kind of skeptic, you know, a skeptic way to say it, but it is uh, because of the effects of sin. We see and hear it on the news daily. We hear about murders. We hear about wars. We hear about natural disasters. We hear about illnesses, diseases. We're dealing with that now. So much, so much suffering and so much hurt. But we know here, most of us, if not all of us know here, that that's not the way it's supposed to be. It wasn't meant to be that way. Many look at the world and think that a loving God can't possibly exist with all the suffering going on. And truth be told, there might be some here who sometimes like, God, where are you? What, what's going on? We do. I'll be honest with you. Every now and then I catch myself like, Lord, what's, what's going on? Where are you? 
But if we walk through the Bible, but if we walk through what the Bible teaches about God, sin, and his gift to us in Christ, we will see that God not only exists, but deeply loves us and desires to be present with, his, with us, his creation. So let me take you through a brief synopsis, just a little journey real quick, and starting from the beginning. We see in the beginning verses of the Bible, which opens up with the famous words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The second verse teaches us that God is intimately connected to his creation. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I know John likes pushing his down, but I like pulling mine up because I can't see that far down. Um, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, which we see in Genesis 1-2. In Genesis chapter 2, God creates man and woman in a special way. Excuse me. Improvising. He creates man and woman in a special way, making them from the dust and giving them the breath of life so they are able to live in relation to God. Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God and enjoyed a relationship with him until they disobeyed the only commandment God had given them. What did they do after their sin? We all know this. In Genesis 3.8, says they hid themselves. The intent, it was an intentional hiding. This is a shameful hiding. Their shame causes them to hide from the presence of the Lord God Although God's presence was available to them in the garden, they rejected it. That's what they were doing when they were hiding. They were rejecting God's presence. Sin had separated them from God. Isaiah the prophet wrote about this in Isaiah 59. Your iniquities, which is in verse 2 as well, your iniquities, have made a, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear Sin is a problem for us today and has been a problem for every human being that ever lived. I don't need to say that, what I was about to say. The lies, the idolatry, selfishness, hatred, deceit, and every other sin earns for us the wrath of God and eternal punishment in hell, away from the presence of God. I know this is, this is sounding a little gloomy right now, but it gets better. It gets better, okay? But from the beginning of time, God had a plan to rescue sinners from the beginning of time. God didn't improvise. There's no improvision going on. God doesn't improvise. God orchestrates. He sets it in motion. In the Old Testament, God dwelt among his people, Israel, in the desert, in the cloud of column of fire, and later the presence of God dwelled in a tabernacle and the temple. God could dwell with God could dwell within the sinful people because the priests offered animal sacrifices to atone for the sins of the people. This was only temporary, though, because the blood of an animal cannot, will not ever take away our sins. This is where Christians come, Christmas comes in. God's plan from the beginning of time was to send one person to, do bo to be both the priest, to offer the sacrifice, and to be the sacrifice itself to atone for our sins. The birth account of Matthew, of Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25, shares much about the identity of Jesus Christ and the hope that he brings for sinners looking for God. And this is how it reads. 
Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will, hear, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name <clears throat> Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. We learn two very important things about Jesus in this passage. One, it is part of Jesus' Jesus's very identity to save God's people from their sin. That was his core identity as God to save us from our sins. The angel says in Matthew 121, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The angel ties the name of Jesus with saving from sin because Jesus means Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. He saves. He's the only one who saves. The angel basically says, you shall call his name Yahweh saves because Yahweh God the Father was saved through him. And that is exactly what Jesus was accomplishing as he hung on the cross, paying the sin price to redeem all who would believe in him to reconcile us to God and make us part of his family, adopted as sons and daughters of the king. God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Yes, he was born on Christmas Day, but he died for us. If you are here this morning, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot number two. We also learn from Matthew quoting Isaiah 7:14 that it was prophesied 700 years before Jesus' birth that he would be Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. He is still with us. The death and resurrection of Jesus ushers in an opportunity to enjoy true rest and joy in the presence of God. So when you're going through that thing that you're going through, and all of a sudden you feel that, and you're able to take that deep breath, and remember, that is God with us. That is his spirit reminding you, consoling you, encouraging you building you, building me. If you're here this morning and you haven't trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ before for the forgiveness of sin, I always do this and I always will. I urge you, think about all the bad things you have done against others and against the one true holy God and also think about the work of Jesus on the cross. That's the primary. Think about your Savior. Yes, we've all done some bad things. Okay. But think about the primary, our Savior, 
on the cross, redeeming, taking on sin for us. Forgiveness of sins is for those who trust in the unfinished work of Jesus Christ to bring them to God. Pray to God and tell him you're sorry for how you have lived and for your sins and ask for true faith to hate your sin and live a repentant life, loving and serving God. And uh, just an aside, I hate, hating sin, hating sin, how, how hard that can be sometimes because I've had people in my life who have told me they enjoy, they, they love God, but there's a part of them that enjoys that intoxicating feeling of sin that sometimes happens. And we must learn as God's children to hate sin. We must, we must hate sin. I just wanted to hit on that a little bit. Um, I would like to share three further thoughts about the presence of God. But before I do, I want to share two applications from what has come before and what will follow. In the Christmas story in Luke, uh, chapter 2, verse 10 to 11, it records the angel's words to the shepherds. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Who is Christ the Lord. God has sent a Savior to redeem the world from sin and death. It's repetitious. But hear it. God has done this. Okay, and I like to paint this picture when I read when, when I read this part of reminding us that this is a sovereign God who didn't have to do any of this. I know you often hear that God needs us. No, he didn't. He desires us. He desires a relationship with us, but God does not need anything. He existed before it all. Okay? So we are to take joy for what God has done and what he has won for us like someone rejoices when they have found great treasure. Because like 1 Peter uh, 1 through 4 tells us, if we are in Christ, we have found the greatest treasure that is, that is imperishable, it's undefiled, it's unfading, and it's kept in heaven for you. In addition to joy, I want you to see the love of God for you and to respond to him in love and worship. Again, I said this morning, all right, it's not about the amount of people in here. It's not about the gifts. It's not about us not being able to get together with everyone that we wanted to get together with. It's not about that, okay? It's about loving and worshiping the one true God. I know I'm keeping this simple this morning, but it's just me reminding you that that's who Jesus is. That's who he is. That was his mission, okay? Three encouraging th truths about the presence of God. God with us in Christ means that he understands what it is to be human. God understands what we are going through, what we go through, the pain, the suffering. You must know. You need to know this in order to have that strong relationship with God, that God understands the suffering. He does because that's why he took on flesh so that he can feel and understand what it is that we go through on a regular basis. He can not only sympathize, but he empathizes with us. 
there has to be a truth in your heart on a regular basis that God understands. The child born on Christmas lived a complete human life. He understands every part of human existence from the deepest joys to the deepest pains. He understands what it is to be man, be loved, and, and, and to love, be mistreated, to, to have hard work, to suffer, to be alone and abandoned by all those close to him. Remember, those who turned their backs on him, denied him. Okay? Hey, we've had those people in our lives too. God understands. <clears throat> he understands the pain of losing loved ones, what it is like to cry, what it's like to be in such anguish that he sweat drops of blood. He not only understands but looks at his children with a heart of compassion. He wants to comfort us in our pain. The book of Hebrews says that when that we can cry out to him in prayer because he understands our experiences and also intercedes for us before God the Father. We have an intercessor, people. Brothers and sisters, we have one who intercedes before the Father for us on a regular, regular basis. This truth should comfort and encourage us to boldly approach the throne of God. Don't stop. Don't stop pressing in. Keep approaching. He wants us to because we have one who's interceding for us. I've often thought and heard others say that it would be an amazing thing to have experienced an earthly life in the ministry of Christ sitting at his feet while he taught, witnessed, witnessing miracles and seeing his deep compassion for people. Wouldn't you like to have experienced Jesus Christ in the flesh, like right there next to him? Jesus said something startling in John 16, 7, that it is better that he left, that he leaves. Why? So that he can provide the Holy Spirit, so that the Holy Spirit would come. It's better that he leaves so that the Holy Spirit would come. God is with us now by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, not separated, one. Jesus said it was better for him to go so that the Holy Spirit would continue to the work he started and expand it all around the world. God's presence dwells with, with believers by the Spirit, and God works through us by the Spirit to be his hands, his feet, his mouthpiece, to do the work of Christ and share the love of Christ around the world. That is our commission. That's why that baby was born. We've been commissioned, brothers and sisters, to be eyes, the ears, the mouthpiece of God, to present the gospel, to see the hurting, to reach out. Don't become lax in your little bubble. See the world. See the hurting. See the suffering. That's why he came. We have already seen the love of God. Hold on one second. The Spirit, I already said this, I know I did, but I'm going to say it again. The Spirit comforts us through difficult times and shows us the love of God, the Father. Um, and in Romans 8, it says, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself. You've been stuck in that moment. I have. I don't know what to say, Lord. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That's what the Spirit does. The Spirit is always there in our behalf, doing what 
we can't and will never be able to do, and that is to stand in the presence of God because we are flesh, we are sin. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's it. We have already seen the love God, of God in offering for forgiveness for sins and reconciling us with him for eternity. We also see the love of God in the fact that the two members of the Trinity are interceding for us, the Son and the Spirit. How should we pray knowing God the Father will, will hear us our petitions, not just from our own mouths, but also from the mouths of his beloved Son and Holy Spirit? If God is for us, who can be against us? Nothing. But the good news of good the good news of God continues. Believers will enjoy the presence of God for eternity. One reason God created the world was to be with his people, to be with us. We know the end of the Bible story, and we see that our future will be with God for eternity. And uh, Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 to 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. All suffering, tears, pain, death will come to an end, and we will enjoy the presence of our great God forever. This is, the on, this is only possible because 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, a child was born. And we love the Christmas story. A child was born. God in the flesh. God, sovereign God, holy God, creator God, eternal God in the flesh. That's who Christ is. You must continue to tell your heart that story. That's who Christ is, God in the flesh. A child was born, God in the flesh, and this child will live a perfect life and die for our sins on the cross. By the grace of God and through the work of Christ, we can enjoy the love and presence of God forever. He is the reason for the season. He is the living and only true God. He is our Savior, our Lord. He is our intercessor. He is God who first loved us, that he gave himself, his only begotten Son, this Christmas, the light and the fact, don't forget the fact that sitting in this room, when you're at home, when you're at work, God is with us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Yes, Lord, it was brief, but Father, I pray that we do not leave this place that we do not leave this place, Lord God, without the, 
intense knowledge and the affirmation in our hearts that you abide with us, that you promise never to leave us nor forsake us, that you left your Holy Spirit to minister to us, to grow us, to sanctify us, to draw us near to you, to bring us to repentance. Lord, you have always been faithful and you have made provision through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This season, Lord, in our lives, as we see the world and all its mess, is the word I'll use, Father, may we remember, may our hearts be settled in the truth that you reign, that you are sovereign, that that baby born in the manger over 2,000 years ago is our redemption. He is and will always be God with us. So, Father, thank you for this day. We pray that you would continue to minister as we go into the next part of our worship uh, service this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>